Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Back to the Classic Factory for another one-on-one episode of No Dunks. I'm Trey Kirby. On the line, we got Tass, we got JD, and we're very excited because joining us today is a guy who's mean with a tennis racket and an outcast bracket. He's got a one-name Twitter handle and never wants to see two macaronis at Thanksgiving. This guy's been on Air Force One with Barack Obama, one of the hosts of the new podcast, Gaining Ground, the New Georgia Atlanta's own Rembert Brown. Rembert, thanks so much for talking to us, bud. What a intro! That was. <laughs> can I take you around with me to places? That was. That Look, was. If you want to hire me as a hype man, I would gladly do it. You remind me of. Um, you have the energy right now of, like the the guy who entertains at a bar mitzvah, like <laughs> very <you>. fantastic. <laughs> like I'm at. I'm at 10 and you're at 50 and I love it. And I'm like, my entire day has changed because I love the two macaronis line. That was great. (laughs) That's a classic moment as far as I'm concerned. Another classic moment. The last time that me and you ran into each other, I was sprinting up the stairs at a Hawks game because one of my kids had to go to the bathroom. I didn't expect to see you there. There you were. Great seats down at the fortress. Hey, Rembert, got to go. Talk to you later. Apparently it was two years later. How have things been, man? You know, I mean... A pandemic happened, but you know, I um, at the time of us talking right now, the Hawks are three and zero. Oh yeah, <laughs> and so like I'm, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling fantastic about that. I feel very fortunate to have my health in a time when that could just very much not be true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm. It's great to see your faces. Uh, I do remember that. Hawks encounter. Shout out Steve Coonan, my guy, um, for continuing to let me into the building. Uh, but yeah, things are great. Yeah, you mentioned it. Hawks are 3-0. and Big win against the Pistons on Tuesday. Trey Young, he's balling, no doubt about it. Huge offseason for Atlanta. How good do you think the Hawks are going to be this season? So... This is this is such a dangerous thing for me to do right now. <laughs> like, this is like... I feel like everything I say right now puts the Hawks in jeopardy. Be- you don't want to jinx it. I, d- I don't want to jinx it, but I have done some things that I've never done before, 
and the Hawks happened to be three and zero. One of those things, I got league pass. Mm. Okay. I've never gotten league pass before. I'm I'm a big, big, just find the link guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I work at Twitter now, and I use their laptop, and I'm not trying to, you know. <laughs> get Russians to in our malware and stuff. I'm trying to be a good employee. I'm trying to keep my job. Sure. So, uh, and my, my group text, um, which is like 12 people I grew up with. Um, the energy has never been more exciting. Um, both about like the future of our politics and also the future of the Hawks are happening at once. (laughs) And so I was like, I need to, I don't want to just be a passive Hawks fan, I, I I want to be actually even if I'm on my phone while there's something else, while the blacklist is playing on my TV or whatever. I need I need to be watching the Hawks at all times, and I have like missed very few seconds of this season, and it, it feels nice, and it feels nice. It's funny because they're three and zero for some franchises. I'd say a, a big chunk of the franchises, they'd say three and zero. Whoopty freaking do. I mean, you really haven't achieved anything yet, but it feels like with the Hawks, this is this is very good. As you said, maybe, you know, not that level of excitement amongst your friends ever. It's like this team kind of middles its way through seasons. Uh, why why the excitement? Why is it happening right now? You know, I think I have you know, I I am a big believer that Atlanta got cursed around 1990 when we got the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think a lot of we did a lot of dark things to get the Olympics, and because of that, our sports took a took a real big nosedive, and we also never got the real world. Um, but <laughs> but I think I don't know. You know, who, who's to say that Georgia goes blue and then we go through it? Now, like, who's to say that any of these things are related? Um, because that clearly did not help our Falcons at all. Um, <laughs> we are we are definitely not here to talk about football. We are definitely here to talk about the only sport I acknowledge right now, basketball. But <laughs> yeah, I mean the 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 energy is great. I there's something about Trey that makes me like delusionally believe in him. Like I mm-hmm. sure like I. I had a really hard time with the Hawks Millsap years um, because when I would watch him play basketball, it made me feel like he like wanted to be everywhere else but a basketball court. <laughs> I just like he just like he would do things and then like maybe you thought he was going to be posting up. He thought maybe I'll just shoot some threes. Uh, I I gotta agree with you. Trey Young is by far the coolest Hawks player of my adult life. I don't know about you. Is this the coolest Hawks era there is the Trey young era. I know we're only three seasons in, but I don't know. The Q rating seems pretty massive for Atlanta. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, I, I I was an admitted skeptic at first. I was like, wow, this like nutmegging people stuff is not going to go very far. You know, like this is like, what is this? this Like, and one Harlem Globetrotters. I don't know if it's going to work, but he, he just believes in himself and other people believe in him. I think they all seem to like really respect coach Pierce who like, I, I is like a father figure to me. I've never met him. 
I, I, I've, I've never met him, but like he has like he has like like Coach Carter vibes or something. Sure. Like he has like he like he wants me to be a better man and then a better basketball player type vibes. <laughs> no doubt, we had him on the show. I had never met him, but we had him on the show. He's definitely my dad now. I mean, he's, yeah. he's guided me, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, like I just there's there's something going on, and it's great. And like I'm just like going through the life. I'm I need to say any stat that I say. I've gotten from my group text, so like fact check everything, but just like stats, like we've won two road games this year. Last <laughs> year, apparently, I think we only won six road games. Check that, someone. But like we're 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 doing things that aren't normal. This energy reminds me of Vic energy, which was like the last time Atlanta just had a player that it was like win or lose, he's cool. Mm-hmm. And it was great because we won a lot when we had Vic. I mean, we didn't always win. We never won. You would have thought we won like four Super Bowls during the Vic years. We actually never won a Super Bowl with him, but he gave us pride. And folks, folks from Atlanta like want like we we like shiny things. We like flash, and we like people who are like a little cocky and like confident and. That's what the Hawks, I feel like, have been missing for most of my adult life, which is just like a a player that thinks he's the best player in the league. Trey Young thinks he's the best player in the league, and I love that. Yeah, for an arena called the Highlight Factory, there weren't a lot of highlights there for a while, and now it's every single night. You know, there weren't a lot of wins necessarily for the Hawks the first couple of years with Trey, but there were still highlights. The nutmegs were there. It became his signature move, and now the team basically decided, we're all in. We're trying to make the playoffs. We're going to put some... Uh, veteran pieces around Trey Young. You apparently you like that move. You're you're fine, kind of you know uh, stifling the growth perhaps of guys like Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. A couple of them are still starting, but maybe the chances aren't quite as uh, they don't have quite the opportunity that they had coming or prior to this season. But uh, I like it. I love the way they're going all in. I like the way they're saying, "Hey, we got Trey Young. The guy's a superstar. We got to try everything we can to to win." It's an exciting time to be a Hawks fan. That's not always the case, but right now it is, man. I love it. I still think I I I still think that Cam Reddish is also going to be a star. There's this great clip that I I mean it's been it's like one of those things that's been on the internet for 2 years but has like made its way into my life in the past 3 weeks. It's it's Anthony Edwards talking about I think it was when he was when he was a senior in high school talking about like who's like the hardest player of the guard. And it's just like a bunch of a bunch of now NBA players talking about how like Cam Reddish put fifty up on them. <laughs> and I just I believe anything that comes out of Anthony Edwards' mouth. So like I'm just like Cam Reddish is a star. I'm waiting for it to happen. I don't I know lots of people who are like Sixers fans and other fans who like would love to take him away from us. And I I also sure. love that. I love I just you know, I feel like there was a decade where the Hawks did actually actually did not make Sports Center. It's possible. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, it's, and it's crazy. So, like, I just, you know, it's it's very Atlanta thing. I just like love the fact that people care. I just love to be on people's mind and radar. <laughs> and yeah. it's funny because I've lived down here for seven years, and I really want the Hawks to be good. And they won sixty games one year. But there isn't a time where I talk to anybody in back home in Toronto or anybody in North America where I say where, where the Hawks are 
of note uh, in these last seven years. Like, I, I wonder if I was a Hawks fan for the last 25 years, what team I would have latched onto. And I just, I don't think there's one. I think, I, I think this could be the one. I, I think Trey's, uh, he is journeying from growing from nutmegs to just being a good player. He's not shooting all the time now. He knows that uh, there's a, a path to getting better. Uh, and I, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in these young guys. I kind of, I want to jump on the, the DeAndre Hunter bandwagon and yes. the Sam Reddish bandwagon. And uh, I kind of see this, this little iteration of, hey, we've got Gallinari, we've got Bogdanovich, we've got Clint Capella. I think it's kind of, um, it's just a bridge to get some assets for those guys and, and let other guys grow and maybe get a star in here. Uh, because I do believe in those young guys too. I, I, I think Lloyd Pierce has a, a challenge ahead of him. I think there's going to be some bumps this season because... I don't know how you play all these guys. Uh, John Collins isn't signed. Well, let's get to him. What, do you believe in John Collins? Because that's, that's the next sort of step for the Hawks. I believe in John Collins. I want, I feel like I want John Collins to love us more. <laughs> you know, like last year, wasn't a huge fan of the John Collins smoothie incident that had him down for, what was it, like 25 games or... Yeah, right at the beginning of the season, too. Right. Like, that was like, that was a huge bummer. And I was like, ah, come on, John. Just, like, just don't do that. And, like, you know, I'm not, not saying it was his fault, but, like, that was a big bummer on me loving John Collins. And, you know, I am, trust me, I am, like, very much on, like, players, get your money, get what you're worth. Um, and I think a couple days ago, like, John Collins, like, refused a contract or something like like the max or like I, I, I again I'm getting all my stats from the group text I'm reading them <laughs> very very quickly but I think John Collins is incredible and I want him to be here for a long time I just want him to want to be here for a long time and I and I'm not convinced um but I think he'll get there because I think you know I actually think we're like this three and zero isn't a fluke. I actually think we're just gonna we're we're gonna do well. Maybe the maybe the empty arenas is our is our thing. Like it's why <laughs> like We've we been have this, bas- for this. We basically have like an empty arena, but without any of the stigma of having an empty arena. And you know, you look at our team; it's basically like an adult AAU team. You know, like let's just like let's own this. Let's just. Let's let's just like accidentally win eighty percent of our games this year and like end up with a three seed. Like I think it would be hilarious and I think it would be great. I'm here for it. They had the Pistons last night, made twenty threes. They got up massive. They almost blew the lead. Even if uh, those games, even if they lose some of those, like those are going to be exciting. The Hawks seem to be as advertised. Awesome on offense. Hold a bunch of players, and you might be able to score on them. Makes for a fun watch. A fun listen though. A new podcast I heard about. It's called Gaining Ground. The New Georgia, hosted by Rembert Brown. This is a Tenderfoot TV and Crooked Media production. I guess it's described as a documentary podcast, right, Rembert? About the years-long work it took to flip Georgia blue in a presidential election for the first time since 1992. You got clips of you in this podcast as a little boy. Yeah, I googled your address. I was looking up where you lived as a kid. (laughs) What was it like for you on election night? to actually have Georgia flip blue after a lifetime of hearing, this might be the year, this might be the year. Well, you know, it's interesting. I I landed in, I was in Hartsfield at baggage claim when they finally were like, 
Biden won. And they finally were like, you know, because election day became election week. Mm-hmm. Um, but that Saturday, I think it was the 7th, is when they, like it finally got announced. And it was just, I mean, I... Those are those moments where you just like want to call everyone in your family and like don't even have anything to say. You're just like, no, you know, <laughs> like like those things. Like it was, it was, it was very cool as someone from Atlanta. Uh, but it also, it was just a reminder of how like this didn't happen by accident, and that's part of the reason I wanted to be a part of this podcast, which is just like highlighting folks that made really purposeful decisions like years ago to either stay home or move back home or just move to Atlanta and be like, I think that we could actually do this, do something that everyone thought was like way, you know, like way like a far, far cry. And, you know, there's something about looking at the electoral map and seeing this blue state and then just like the sea of red around it, which is like, this was not easy. And this was not, you know, and it also like barely happened. It's not like Georgia's like the bluest place in the world. You know, Georgia's purpley and, uh, but we're blue right now, but it was, it just, it made me really proud of folk who have done a lot of like thankless work who just, you know, every day woke up and was like, I'm going to go knock on some doors. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And so to to get the chance to make a podcast that's really not about me or my co-host Jewel Wicker, like our main ask when we got when, when we got asked to do this was like, can we just make this about the people? Like I don't want this to be like I yes, like I'm I'm bringing in some narrative things to, you know, to make it entertaining and make it informative and storytell. But, you know, I'm trying to flip it to the people that we, that we highlight in the podcast as quickly as I can. I'm just like a device and someone who is like, you know, co-writing this to make it, to get to the beginning from the beginning to the end. But it's been very awesome to just, you know, reach out to folk, have them say yes. um, And, you know, do, you know, to some degree, like doing a lot of work over the holidays the same way a lot of people who are really invested in this runoff, like they can't take the holidays off. Sure. You know, who am I to be like, Ugh, I don't want to like go in my closet and do voiceovers today. It's like, like who am I? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, like go in there and do it until you get it right. So it's been really cool to just play a very small part in the awareness, um, you know, I think uh, being a part of the national media for years, like I, it's it's very interesting to hear how people talk about the place you're from, you know, after like having just learned about it from like two articles. So, you know, part of part of me wanting to do this podcast was not just like the sound of my voice; it was more like not wanting this podcast to go in the wrong direction, like trying to just keep it in the right direction of like the people we include, making sure we're not just like grabbing the most famous people we can find to talk about Georgia, but like having it be organizers, just folks that live in Decatur, a mayor from Albany, you know, like having it really be about Georgia and not just, you know, 
the things that everyone knows about Atlanta. Yeah, that's what I found uh, very, very appealing about it because having been down here in Atlanta, uh, I wanted stories from this city. You know, I was I was just an innocent Canadian. 2013 came down here. Uh, then I was sucked into the political sphere like a lot of people. You just pay attention to what's going on. But a lot of it is on the national level. And the podcast does an incredible job of telling people stories, like you said, from uh, different parts of, of the area, real people who have done uh, real work uh, to help flip it blue over yeah a, a number of years. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask well, a billion things, but first... Uh, TikTok did some good. Um, I, I kind of, I, I, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. don't want to look at it and I don't want to scroll it that often because I get addicted to it. But uh, people um, were sort of writing about young people uh, prior to the general election, galvanizing themselves on TikTok, telling each other, hey, we're going to go vote. We got to go do it. And then they showed up in droves. Can you talk about how the heck that happened? What happened uh, with TikTok and the general election? I mean, it's it's really interesting because I've spent most of my adult life preaching the gospel of Atlanta teens as the most interesting creative humans on the planet, you know. And I think for years I was just like every dance came out of Atlanta. Like mm-hmm. every like like interesting new fashion thing, like it all you I would find something and I would like be like, "Wait, these kids seem like they're in a subdivision in Atlanta. Where are they? They're in Atlanta. Like, they're in Atlanta. Um, so to watch that energy, uh, you know, in our third episode, it actually starts with um, a college kid who goes to Mercer University in Macon talking about how how proud she was that her generation that often got, you know, written off as, like, only caring about, you know, just being on TikTok and not caring about societal issues, how they like actually turn that and use that for good and use that to actually be one of the groups that, you know, that pushed Georgia over the edge. I think it's, I don't know. It's, it's very exciting because I don't think, I think people, I won't even say people, have the wrong impression of Georgia. I just don't think people know anything about it, honestly. I don't, and I definitely think it just gets, you know, a lot of folks probably think of it as like backwards or just think, you know, the way the South gets written off as this or that. And so to watch, watch this internet energy, this TikTok energy, this like insane ability to mobilize your friends and also people that you don't know to actually like change not just a general election but potentially also this runoff it's i mean what's cooler than that you know like this hearing that hearing like seeing the excitement of you know folks that are getting to vote for the first time like i remember voting for the first time it's like one of the formative experiences of my life and i remember it because my first vote was 08 obama and I remember feeling like I was a part of something that I was like, actually, my voice might count on this thing that seemed like such a long shot. And I feel like this is one of those moments again. That's something that comes up a few times in the podcast is young people actually seeing the results of their vote and seeing the direct impact that their vote can have 
You mentioned all these other stories too about incremental progress, like John Ossoff barely losing to Karen Handel and then Lucy McBath beating Karen Handel. Get out of here, Karen Handel. It's great to see that name again. Great to see her out of here. Somebody like Matthew Wilson looks at a, a seat that had flipped by a couple of hundred seats, says, hey, I should run for that seat, wins in a landslide. How come people are realizing their power so much more now? In the first episode, you mentioned Stacey Abrams' speech after she lost uh, the gubernatorial election with Brian Kemp in 2018 as something that really fired people up, kind of the start of the Fair Fight uh, group as well. How come people, how are people just seeing so much more of this now? How are people coming to terms with the fact that what they could do actually has an impact on the, the results of these elections we're seeing? Yeah, I mean, you believe what you see, you know, like when it begins to start, you actually, I mean, there's a certain amount of like delusion slash insane belief in self that anyone has to have, I think, to just step out there and do it and actually think that it could happen. I was talking, I actually was talking to Ossoff about this for our fourth episode that comes out um, the morning of the runoff on January 5th. And part of what we were talking about was just the fact that like, there's just not time to just wait, you know, like that is, that is something that I think our generation and the one below us really feels. It's like, no, I'm not going to wait until I'm 50 and then try to do this thing. Like I'm actually just going to do it right now and see if it works and like, see if I can actually mobilize and have a groundswell and like get people to listen to me and get people to believe. I mean, we see that, we see that online every day. Like we see people, I think it's gone from, wow, this is a place where you can have your 15 minutes of fame. And then, and then like we all move on to like, Hey, I could actually like become a thing that people care about or listen to. And so to see that, that similar energy turn into something like politics, um, you know, I don't think it's that crazy to say, like, we are, we have hit a point now where being a public official is to some degree cool again. Um, like it's a, it's a, it's a, for a while, I feel like it was not a career path that seemed interesting, you know, but I think from 2016, and what happened in 2016, I just think a lot of people reached their breaking point. It was like, no, like this is, I've actually seen what can happen when the system is in the absolute wrong hands. Mm-hmm. Like I've actually, I can point to something and being like, oh, like this, this can't happen. I think when it, when things are like kind of bad, it's easier to be indifferent. But when you see something that's just so clearly wrong and you are faced with, people saying things that are just like this is the truth i'm gonna say the opposite thing like i think people's breaking point has gotten like shorter and shorter and i think that's resulted in you know me someone like me like i know like mult at this point like multiple people who are in like congress and like state representatives and it's not like because they're fancy people it's just like they were like you know what like i want to represent my neighborhood I think I could do it, you know, and I and I just think that's awesome. As someone that for years wanted to be a politician um, and then t- I took a step away, like I really think it's a very, very cool thing. Yeah, and those people that do run can win 
by overwhelming margins, as there are some of those stories that you have in your podcast. I think it's a sort of a, a good message for people that it's never too late to start something, whether it is in politics or absolutely anything. A lot of the people you talk to in the podcast were on the sideline in 2016. Uh, pe- people who had been activists for a long time, but uh, many thought, oh, Hillary Clinton is, is absolutely going to win this election. Uh, there, there's no need for me to get out there. Uh, so yeah, they've, they've taken steps uh, post-2016. Uh, I, ju- I just think that it's, um, it's an overwhelming, I don't know, obstacle or challenge. or It's it just voting in, in general sort of feels overwhelming, I guess, because everything sort of flies at you. All this news sort of flies at you. But it's, it's pretty simple. Right. I mean, it's uh, and people see the power of their vote now uh, in 2020. Is there a message out there for for those people that find it or find the whole thing kind of just like, I don't want to freaking deal with this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to it's hard to complain if that indifference is still within you. You know, I think if you do look at the world and nothing nothing about it really upsets you or angers you or you think everything is fine, then, you know, to that person, I don't, I actually don't know what to say. <laughs> um, but, you know, I really think something positive that's happening is there is this, a generation of people who are becoming public officials that I do think are knocking like the idea of being a politician off the pedestal a little bit, um, having it like doing the job with a lot more transparency, um, doing the job with a lot less of like, like a capital P I'm a politician. It's more like, this is like, this is what I do for a living. Like, this is my job. Like I represent, like, it feels like we're going more to like, I am a representative Mm -hmm. more than like, I am a politician. It's like, no, like I want to represent whether it's my district or my state or like whatever, it, it feels like we're heading in a direction of folks just wanting to do right by the place that they live, you know, or the place that they grew up in. Like that is for me why I was originally so interested in politics. And then a lot of things happened that made me extremely jaded and wanted to get away from it or then write about it critically. Um, and now what I'm, what I'm feeling again is it like actually being something where like, if you were dissatisfied with the world around you, like this is one of the things you should do. (laughs) Like, this is like, this is something that is, that is a possible thing that it, you know, someone like anyone can like have a message and, you know, you don't have to be a millionaire to, you know, I think, I think sometimes it's, it, you can, it can get a little blinding when you look into places like Congress and the folks with the most power on both sides are like crazy millionaires, you know? And it's like, wait, like, are any of you really upset with the world right now? Cause y'all, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I know I can hear what you're saying, but like life's pretty good, you know, but then you have, you know, I, I love, I love AOC, you know, like I love the way she's demystified being a politician and being a public servant. I think a lot of that 
is really seeping into not just Congress, but state reps and um, and all level, just people wanting to be a part of things being better and things not, you know, things being based in facts and, you know, other things that were no brainers that aren't no brainers anymore. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, one of the messages to me through the first couple episodes is that if you care, you can make a difference. You just have to go out there and do it. But another one of the messages that I got is that it's going to take a while. It's not a yeah. straight line, the progress. You know, I think it's DeRay that mentions the civil rights movement took a decade. Somebody even makes a 28 to 3 reference in this podcast, Rembert. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. You said uh, you were surprised, it sounded like, that it came in episode two. Were you thinking it would be in episode one that we're getting a 28 to 3 reference? You know, I was just like, I have the power to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> But it just happened. It just happened so, so clean. I was looking at the transcript. I was like, "Oh, this is a gr- wow. We made it here. Okay, okay. Nope. Got to leave it in. This is transparency again." <laughs> yeah, that's as much a part of the city as anything else is. But it comes up in the context of you can have an impact, but you got to keep doing it. What do you think are the challenges with sustaining that momentum? You know. Uh, I think the stat is that if one if one party wins the presidential election and there's a special election coming right after that, the other party usually has more turnout because the winning party says, "Okay, we did our part. We got our win here and then kind of sloughs off everything else. How come it's so hard for people to sustain momentum in politics? I mean, I think it's hard to sustain momentum in anything. You know, I I remember I remember one of the. One of the phrases that I saw this year that uh, gave me a, a chuckle, but I, I I I understood what it came from was this idea of ally fatigue. It was like this idea of like you know, 2020. A lot of people felt a lot of things, and you know, p- people putting black boxes on Instagram and blah blah blah. And then like like by the fall, folks were like you know. Being an ally is hard and I'm and I'm tired, you know, and I it's very easy to mock that. And I did mock that. But I also it's just like it's hard for people to just keep doing things that they're not used to doing, you know. And I think when it comes to politics, we get caught in this seesaw sometimes where it's like, OK, it's our turn to be invested and then. Let's take a break and then like while we were taking a break they're like okay this is our turn to you know hit r1 and go turbo and then like they got it and then like we just kind of keep going back and forth and i think 
you know, part of, I remember in, uh, in 2017 when, uh, Ossoff was in his first runoff, um, so much of what was being talked about is like, there was so much energy about like, um, leading up to that general election. And then once it didn't go the way everyone wanted, you know, you just lost like half the people. Cause they like, they're just like, I'm spent, you know, like how do we keep people just like with their foot a little bit on the gas, like forever, you know, it's like a hard thing to ask, but it's extremely necessary. And like, we have to find interesting ways to, you know, keep people invested, which is, you know, part of the reason why making a podcast, you know, during the holidays, like the, one of the easiest times for folks to just like disconnect, like that's part of the reason that we wanted to make this like, and like make it in a very quick, fast, intense way is because, you know, it's really easy to like lose people's interest, you know, like we're talking about like an election that, people expended so much emotions it doesn't go perfectly and then you have thanksgiving christmas a pandemic new year like all these things that typically take people's attention away so like that's part of the reason that i wanted to do this it's like like if this can just be one of the many things to like keep people thinking about this instead of just kind of being like like i i did it once you know, like I, I, I hope I, I did it once and I hope it works out, you know, trying to just break through that. Like, I hope it works out and having people understand like, no, like when you just hope it works out, it typically doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to do something. But I mean, I think it, it comes at the perfect time because I mean, it's easy to forget that the election was literally last month. It happened yeah. last month, right? Like it's still December. It's nearly two months ago, but. It wasn't that long ago, but it's easy to forget that kind of stuff. I can remember yeah. being super disappointed when Ossoff lost to Karen Handel. I remember being super disappointed when Stacey Abrams lost to Brian Kemp. But, you know, they're back now on the scene in 2020 doing important stuff for Atlanta. Something else you're learning from this podcast is just the nonlinear nature of the change of progress, right? And the the need to keep doing stuff because stuff keeps coming up. You say in a couple of these episodes, there's Atlanta and there's Georgia. We got the runoff election next Tuesday. Both Georgia Senate seats are up for grabs. In one of the races, David Perdue and John Ossoff and the other Kelly Leffler, Raphael Warnock. It's basically for the control of the Senate. If people don't know, there are 48 seated Democratic senators, 50 Republicans. And if Georgia is able to win both of these seats, it'll be 50-50. The tie break goes to the vice president, who will be a Democrat. What is this concept of Atlanta versus Georgia, Atlanta and Georgia. There's Atlanta, there's Georgia. Like you're saying, it's a little bit purpley. You know, we're calling Georgia blue now, but it has been purple. I remember when it was exciting to put Georgia is purple on a sign a couple of years ago. What is this concept of the two sort of different waves in Georgia? What's that going to mean for this runoff election? Well, you know, a super important thing for Jewel and I in making this podcast was making sure we stress the importance of Atlanta and Georgia, but also not pretend that, you know, Atlanta did it by itself. You know, like I do think that 
part of growing up in Atlanta is being very proud of Atlanta and sometimes having blinders on everywhere else in Georgia that's not Atlanta. And so, you know, it was really important for us to do things like talk to the mayor of Savannah, talk to the mayor of Albany, like people who live in places, you know, with kind of like, for instance, like an invisible black population, for example, you know, like there is kind of a notion that like, Georgia is a very red, white state, and 100% of the black people live in Atlanta. And it's actually not true. And actually, when you look at the map, yes, like, like Georgia does it probably doesn't even go to Biden if it's not for Clayton County, you know, to some degree, or, or some of the north side, north of, north of Atlanta counties. But you also look at, you know, these like pockets around Savannah, pockets around Albany, pockets around Athens, like these are places where people did work just like the work that was done in Atlanta. And, you know, for me, I am, I am always in a, in a, in a place to like kind of call myself out on prior biases that I had. Like I was very ignorant about Georgia. You know, I, like a couple years ago, I wrote something for Bon Appetit where I basically confronted my own <clears throat> biases with Atlanta as like not just a black and white city and like discovering all of these different cultures that I knew existed. Like I knew Atlanta had a um had a growing Latino population. I knew Atlanta had a growing Asian American population, but in my mind Atlanta was just black and white. And then I had to like really take a step back and realize like what was happening in my city and how this was a good thing. And I think that's also part of what is happening um, from in making this podcast with Georgia. It's like, yes, like Atlanta did the damn thing. Like Atlanta really did it. And like, and like, I'm, I could not be more proud of Atlanta, but it was not Atlanta alone that got us to a place where we are right now. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I used to say, there's Atlanta and there's Georgia in kind of an anti-Georgia way. Like, as like, no, like Atlanta has a, like a, like, like as if 285 was like a wall, you know? <laughs> and it's like, no, like Atlanta is very much part of Georgia and we can get to a place where Georgia is something to be super proud of as like, no, I'm from Georgia. Like I'm from Atlanta, but I'm also from Georgia. Like that's an exciting thing to feel proud to say. You're saying you're down with OTP? I'm down. Yo. <laughs> Yo, I uh I I will never forget the the like the anger when my mom um moved outside of the perimeter. <laughs> I, I felt I was like, oh, what's next? I, do I need to get rid of this 404 area code? Am, am I about to be a six seven eight guy? Like what, <laughs> what's what's what like what the hell is going on? But you know, I have embraced I have embraced Metro Atlanta as much as I have embraced the city of Atlanta. So, you know, it's, you know, folks, folks from here live everywhere. Like you live, you live where you need to live, but the, the ideology um, has spread around the city and the state. And that's a, uh, that's proven to be a good thing. Yeah. Around the city and the state and even around the country, I found after the presidential election, people really wanted to, assist in any way they could for the Senate runoffs. And so uh, a question for you, just just to have it out there on record, 
what can people, whether they're in Georgia or throughout the U.S., do you know, within the next week? I can't believe it's seven days away. Uh, but uh, to to assist, or, or even if it's going forward past that, what what can people do? Well, you know, I I have been reading a lot about that, and you know, if you know people that live in Georgia, like I think it is a very good thing to do to like check with them, like do they have a voting plan? Like, are they voting? Like, are they aware of what's going on? Like that, that might be a given to some folks, but it's just not a given. I feel like that's like a very good thing to do. Um, totally. I, I also think, um, while money is not like the thing that wins elections, like in the going down the home stretch, um, money is, something donating is something um that really impacts you know visibility right now like if you turn on a tv in georgia there's like it's like 80 percent commercials right now and like those commercials cost money on the radio like everything and um you know these candidates need money to keep you know it's not just being visible in like the biggest places but being visible in pockets that really matter so you know i think if if you've been waiting for a moment to donate um this is a good moment um that's impo- it's an important point because uh i i think we're a few people uh, on our show that are pretty politically conscious but uh there's some people who just don't vote that's just not their thing but to see a a youtube video of of john ossoff you know p- before their before they watch uh, you know, Clippers Bucks highlights it, that would it'd be beneficial. It is, it is kind of, it's a, it's something that I don't think about cause it's just not for me. But when you, you're right, you see all these ads and some of them are terrible and some of them are absolutely 100% false. Uh, it's important. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I think that's, I think, I think that's legit. You know, I think we're at a place now where, like I, you know, I, I, I haven't made it much of a secret that I, you know, I grew up with Ossoff. Like I've, I've known him for, uh, for more than half of my life, you know? Um, but you know, I've also had people come up to me like wondering about, you know, specific point, like policy point X, Y, Z. And I'm like, Hey, you know, when I think it, when it comes to like being on the fence of voting or not voting, I keep telling folks like, Hey, like let the person get in office, you know, like let the person get like I, the thing that I'm excited for is seeing what happens once people can actually get to work. We've like, I think there is campaigning and then there's actually doing your job. And I'm like, I really want some people to actually get a chance to do their job and be a part of the political system, which involves like, you know, raising red flags when you disagree with someone. But like, we are just like stuck in this like campaigning cycle that I think everyone is exhausted (laughs) by. It's just like, like even people who are so like invested in this, like that's the hard part about the runoff. It's like, it's more campaigning. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, 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 uh, I, think, like I, I still think fondly about that week after the uh, general election, when there weren't political ads, every single 
every single break. I know that Raphael Warnock's name is at the bottom of the ballot. It starts with W. Of course, that's where it's going to be. Yeah. But remember, it's not just 28-3 sports talk that comes up. Uh, you also spoke to Angel McCautry, Las Vegas Aces, formerly of the Atlanta Dream. She opens up about how let down she was by Kelly Leffler, owner of the Atlanta Dream, who not long after taking, uh, not long after being appointed as a senator to the United States Senate, she comes out against the Black Lives Matter movement. She gets embroiled in a little bit of an insider trading scandal. Soon thereafter, we see numerous WNBA players sporting vote Warnock shirts in the Wubble. What kind of an impact did the WNBA have in November's election? I mean, the WNBA um, has, like, time after time, seemed to have less hesitation in being politically active and on the right side of history and, like, needing fewer... um, things to, you know, seemingly give them permission to speak out. I think um, it's like a couple years ago, maybe this was seen as like a little thing, but it's just happened over and over again, year after year after year, where I feel like other leagues and other players um, and other cities, you know, like to some degree, it's not just leagues, but, you know, I think what we saw in Atlanta from the dream impacts what we see from the Hawks, you know, like I do think there is like some, there, there are movements that happen within cities and the teams in those cities that really starts to catch fire. And I really think, you know, to see a team wear vote Warnock shirts and to see that spread, not just on that team, but throughout the WNBA, throughout the league, that is that is extremely powerful stuff that like is a part of 2020. Like that's a part of what happened in Georgia, you know, and what happened in this election cycle, something that you just can't expect players to do because it puts you are you're putting yourself and potentially your money in jeopardy. And that's often the moment where people like start to take a step back. It's like, well, I don't, you know, I want to, I want to speak out, but I don't want to jeopardize anything like athletes that have a lot to be jeopardized athletes that are not making, you know, who fines aren't just like little drops in the bucket. Fines could be massive percentages of what you're making to see those players, those athletes make stands like that. Like that's like, that is, that's putting society before your day job. Like that's, that's what I think we all hope we do and then often don't do. And so to see, to see athletes do that, I mean, it's, it's inspiring. And it, it, it also is the type of thing that makes it more commonplace. It makes you want to do it in just your, your job, like, like non-athletes, folks who are, you know, working at wherever, like it makes you want, gives you a little bit more confidence to, put your name on the line um, because you've seen other people do it. So like, I, I'm just, I'm always impressed um, by many of the athletes in the WNBA. And it's also just like exciting to see that happen in your city. 
Yeah, they definitely lead the way amongst athletes, which makes me wonder how you think the NBA sort of fits into this story. There are a number of social justice initiatives at the forefront in the bubble. They had Black Lives Matter on the court. They had their approved messaging on the jerseys. Committees and coalitions were formed. They had a pledge uh, from the governors to be to be donating for the next 10 years. But maybe the best or the biggest direct impact was opening arenas as polling places. What's the NBA's role in in the social justice movements? I mean, you know, I am. I tend to care a lot more about what individuals say than, you know, sweeping initiatives because those can feel sometimes a little um, lip servicey, and like sometimes it's like, well, what does this actually mean? Like, yes, like pledging money and stuff like that's that's directly impactful oftentimes, but you know, a lot of times it feels like let's start another committee. Let's do this, you know? Um, but, you know, going back to like thinking about the Hawks coach again, uh, thinking about Lloyd Pierce, you know, hearing him, you know, make a speech at a rally in Atlanta, you know, and having, you know, not even been in Atlanta for that long, having him like step into a role in a city that is a very civil rightsy city and have that be a leader, like not just in a organization, but in a city like that, like that does it for me. Like that feels powerful, you know? So like, and I think that trickles down into, you know, seeing Trey at, at black lives uh, matter rallies. Like I think stuff like seeing people, uh, actually make statements that came out of like their own head, you know, like seeing people, you know, hearing how people actually feel about things and seeing people do things that don't always feel so media trained and pre-planned and, you know, perfectly packaged, but like a little raw or like stuff like that makes me feel that the NBA has a pulse. And when it comes from leadership, like it's, there's a reason when LeBron does stuff is powerful because he is the de facto leader of the league. You know, like it doesn't hit the same if it's like the 10th guy on the bench, you know, like that it, but when it's the guy, people follow the guy. And so to see that from, from coaches, you know, there's a reason I mean, there are lots of reasons, but like, that's one of the reasons like someone like Popovich was, is is incredible because he just like seemed like he would just say what he felt and be like you know do with that what you want like this is what's right this is what's wrong it's like wow like that dude has a moral compass and there are things that matter beyond basketball and i think the more the nba continues to allow individuals to be individuals and say things like that that's where the real power for me of the NBA um, as a league that's not silencing its voices. Yeah. Having followed the league uh, the way we have for like a decade and a half, this is definitely the year where people have voiced their voices more than ever. Uh, they, it has become, uh, it hasn't become taboo now to, to talk about these things. It has become more sort of um, attainable, personable, even, even, uh, when you talked about like being a politician with a capital P and, and that being sort of a lofty perch that's unattainable, uh, 
it's now sort of permeated through the airwaves in the NBA world in a way that hasn't happened before, where we're all just talking about voting. And Lloyd Pierce is definitely one person who's done that. The players uh, throughout the league, whatever the, the turnout rate was, you know, something like 90% of players um, were registered to vote uh, and voted. It's it's a ridiculous uh, number, and uh, in a good way, obviously. And that's why we saw a a turnout unlike anything since the year 1900, as you say in in, in the show. That was like 66.5 percent of eligible voters voted. It's a it's just something you talk about, and people are talking about now. And it uh, uh, obviously resulted in something positive. That it's just become less of a well. Politics is a thing that happens over there. Uh, now it's a thing that happens in my living room, and it's just so freaking important uh, that it's not just campaign season all the time, which I I hope I never get over how dumb it is that politicians are just campaigning forever. Like As a foreigner, as a Canadian who comes here, uh, it, like, like I get sucked in. I mean, I get sucked into this soap opera that is, sure, the back and forth between Ossoff and Handel, sure, for 18 freaking months. It's not that long, but for so freaking long. Uh, the issues are the issues, and and those don't go away. And and campaigning is just a campaign. Um, yeah, that is that is has always been one of my big pet peeves, which is like as soon as you win, it's like time to start again. It's like, does anyone ever just like do focus on the job, or is just like, is it, are you just trying? Is the job staying employed? You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. that Start becomes the re-election a, fund as soon as you're elected. That becomes very frustrating. Well, we love the podcast. Episode three just came out today. I can't wait to listen. I was 100% sold on this when you mentioned you went to Paideia School. Shout out to Paideia. Then we're talking about Manuel's Tavern. This is great, Rembert. We're all hoping for the best Tuesday. But before we let you go, we got to play a game. Uh, we've been following you for a decade I was going to say, I know you love a vintage jersey, and then you show up wearing a new vintage <laughs> jersey, the big boy outcast Atlanta Hawks jersey. This thing is a banger, remember? That is hard, man. Anyways, NBA teams, they're getting new jerseys every single season. Some of them are great. Some of them not so much. We're going to show you one of these new city edition jerseys. You tell us, tell us if it's classic, if it's trash, or if it's a future classic, something that's going to look great in a few years. Your first city jersey, City Never Sleeps. The New York Knicks, this one's been getting dunked on hardcore. Oh, man. Uh, the Knicks have a great collab with Kith, and it like the stuff, the stuff looks good. Um, this Squarespace, like... <laughs> volleyball jersey is terrible i it, this is trash i please get this off my screen <laughs> <laughs> sorry to offend you sorry to oh, offend you right, our next uh, our next one the new orleans pelicans going with the fleur de lis and the intense color blocking classic trash or future classic it um this feels like something i have made in microsoft paint um <laughs> Uh, but it might grow on me. This might be a future classic, but right now it is uh, not doing things for me. Yeah, see, that's exactly how I feel. Like, this clearly looks ridiculous for an NBA jersey, but so did the Bucks one that had, a, like, a Bucks drawn on it with a crayon. So yeah. did the Hawks spread wing jersey. You got to take some risks. Also, I will, say, in the future. I will say there are some jerseys that look a little silly um, in people who are jacked. <laughs> and like yeah. the small, the small, small armholes, 
Like with this one, I just, this feels, it feels smaller than it probably actually is. Yeah, you're probably right. All right, next jersey, the Oklahoma City Thunder rocking the gash station NASCAR look. Classic, trash, future classic. This is an absolute classic. This is, <laughs> I, I know, I it, it's, it's weird, but I love gas station chic. <laughs> this looks like I believe that I feel like I would put this on and just like drive west I just like I'm, I'm gonna go on a road trip this is this is it screams the south no doubt I hope yeah, it's like no. $29.99 at the gas station that yeah. it makes sense also the 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 loves the the ad like feels perfect on it this, oh, this totally. is like the straight up Straight up Earnhardt, like Gordon. This is great. This is good. This is this is a current classic. Yeah, I think if you buy this, they actually throw in a pack of Slim Jims with it, which is pretty exciting. You know, you're getting something to eat and a nice New Jersey. All right, uh, got a couple more for you here. Remember, here's the Suns, the Valley uniforms. This is a bad jersey. You don't like this? I, I do not like this. It, it looks like a iTunes visualizer. Um, fair point. Fair point. It, um, it is. You know what? I think it's. The Suns have had many classics, mm-hmm. and I think they are the, the reason this is tough is that like it's just not at the Suns' classic level that they sure. have hit multiple times. So I say, I say this is not it. This is a trash. This is a trash can. Oh, this is a full-on trash can. That's not good. All right, our final jersey: the Brooklyn Nets wearing the Basquiat jerseys. Classic trash. Oh man, he he just couldn't have wanted this. Um, yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> Basquiat. Um, you know, if someone gave it to me for free, though, I'd wear it tomorrow. <laughs> um, this is like probably a future classic. Um, it's definitely not a classic right now. It feels um, feels a little culture vulturey, a little um, Jay Z is way too rich. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's not trash, uh, but it's not currently classic. Yeah, I think I'm with you on all counts. Rembert, thank you so much for joining us. I mentioned it off the top. You've got an easy Twitter handle to remember. You must know people over there to get you hooked up with that. Let people know where they can follow you, what they can be expecting in the next couple couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, you can follow me at, at Rembert, R-E-M-B-E-R-T, um, where I will be for the next couple weeks, pretty much talking about this podcast, Gaining Ground, the new Georgia. Uh, We've got two more episodes left, uh, an episode coming out on the 5th of January, um, runoff day, and then a final episode, which we have no idea what that episode is going to be like (laughs) because it's completely (laughs) dependent on how the election goes. So uh, we are making this thing in real time, but uh, I want to give a shout out to Crooked Media to Tw- Tenderfoot TV, and of course, my co-host, Jewel Wicker, who is the jam. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Sounds like you're going to be heading back to the closet to lay down some more sick voiceovers. Can't wait to hear it. Thank you to everybody out there listening, whether it's on the podcast or on the Athletic app. You can subscribe at theathletic.com slash no dunks, where you can still get that buy one, gift one deal for a few more days. Also, thanks to anybody checking this out on our YouTube channel. Follow us everywhere. At No Dunks Inc. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, even a TikTok. Maybe we'll get some votes uh, going there on the TikTok. Anyways, you can get your No Dunks items at nodunks.com. We will be back tomorrow. If you live in Georgia, make a plan to vote. 
on January 5th. You could stay Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.